Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the experience agency, D-Flash. And each week I bring on another business leader who's doing game-changing work. And this week's episode is no different. I am beyond excited to have on the show Saida Blount, who is Senior Manager at Global Brand at Sonos. And we're going to have a fantastic conversation about how she got there, what she's doing, and all the cool things she has coming down the pike. It's going to be a great episode. Take a listen. Hi, Saeed. How are you? Hey, Laura. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> I love... Um, also, it's just nice to come in and kiki with a girlfriend, but also to get to talk about some of my business experience stuff. Yeah. I'm oh, really excited. You know, I, I've just... I, oh, I've, been a, I've, been a, I've been on a fan for quite a while, and so I'm, and I'm so proud to see what you've been able to do the last few years especially, so I was super excited you said yes. Thank you. Um, so every episode starts the exact same, and I'm sure that you will be no different in giving me a hilarious answer. <laughs> um, what was your first job? First job, I worked as a secretary at H&R Block in Kansas City. Um, it was a summer job. Um, H&R Block is based out of Kansas City. There is a Block family, actually. Really? There's an actual Block family? There really is a Block family. And uh, it's weird. Kansas City has, like, um, a lot of weird large companies. I mean, Hallmark Cards, obviously, H&R Block, Sprint, um, AMC Theaters. There's a lot of those. Really? Just kind of, yeah. Wow. And that's just the beginning. I mean, there's just so many of the, like, little cottage industries, like, obviously dairy and like beef and all of those other things. It's a weird little small town, but I was a summer secretary at H&R Block and learned more about doing your taxes than anyone should really ever know. Hand that off to somebody else to do because you don't want to learn about it. <laughs> pay somebody. Yeah, pay don't, somebody. Don't do that. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you learned all kinds of fun things about customer service around <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it, you know, people really do, even during the summer, like you're still getting people that are coming in for like higher level tax things and business tax things. And um, it's a very sensitive subject with people. So you have to learn really quickly to assuade anger and um, make sure folks just are calm. And and when it Messing with their money, people do kind of flip out, but understandably so. Yeah, I I still remember even in the corporate offices, you had to just treat people with kid gloves and treat people with respect at the same time. And I also learned that making a very strong cup of coffee will make almost any major stress moment go away. So I, if you ever have me make you coffee, you will notice that it's super strong. <laughs> okay, like here. Yeah, um, here, please um, take this. Here's a, this very large mug of very strong coffee. Yeah, they taught um, coffee was very big in those offices. Like, it's wow. if you saw somebody kind of like about to reset next level, a cup of coffee was coming towards you pretty quickly. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm sure that all those skills now come, in, come into play uh, in your real life as a business leader. Yeah, maybe now it's shifted to a stiff drink. Or other other things that may help <laughs> chill people out a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think you have to learn really quickly um, to read people, to be a very successful business person. Like, I think you have to know who you're dealing with, what type of person you're dealing with, personalities, working styles. Um, reading people is a great skill to have. 
And um, I luckily learned that from my parents very early on. Like my dad could read somebody pretty quickly and he could read a room really quickly. Um, People, a lot of my friends always say that I'm a little bit paranoid that I'll step in a room and I will sometimes be like, oh, I don't know if I could stay here. (laughs) They're like, same. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Mm, I don't know about this. Yeah, where you could read energy. I mean, there's also that level, I think maybe some of my friends don't understand as a person of color, you have to learn how to read a room and read a room for your safety. Maybe me being from the Midwest slash South, um, that was something that you had to learn. But that skill set has served me very well. That I want to know kind of what's going on to almost an, an nth degree. Well, you know, it's interesting because like, I feel like it's something that I do as well. Where it's like, I think we talked about earlier about being able to listen mm-hmm. and absorb what's happening in front of us very quickly. And then making your assessments based on that. And so, yeah, you might see that I'm not talking it's not because I have an attitude or I, <laughs> I'm angry about something. It's just like, no, I have assessed the situation and it's best for me to like, just be chill in the corner over here. Yeah. And it's not a bad skill to have. I think I wish more people would have it because just listen. Because oftentimes you can get so much further if you just chill. For yeah, second. absolutely. Absorbing all of the information, all of the knowledge, and then using some critical thinking skills would take so many people much farther. Um, I think, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm not a person that needs to hear myself talk to make myself feel better about what I know. Sometimes it's better to lay back in the cut, get all of the information, be that person that filtered it through a couple of different channels, thought about it, process it stressed over it if need be (laughs) and then kind of come back with the real learnings and the real details that were needed um yeah i there's it's better to sometimes just be quiet and be in the room and kind of suss out the situation instead of just being the person that's being the blowhard in the corner it's so it's paramount importance to do that Mm -hmm. so okay so hr block was interesting so then (laughs) so so you're in the midwest what happened next um you know i went to a really small um kind of middle through high school like people are sometimes astounded to hear that i went to school the same 35 people um at a college prep from sixth grade to 12th grade and so i know it's really nuts and um I'm still friends with most of those people to this day. Like when you spend that much time um, in kind of an academically rigorous situation and you're also growing up as a teenager with them, like you kind of tend to stay tight. So I pressed eject as quickly as possible (laughs) and and went to Maine um, for college to another small situation. My like classes I think I had no more than like 30 or 40 people in like a class and that was big at my college and then um through the process what landed me in New York was an opportunity to go to grad school and so I came here um did a year of um political theory I studied politics and kind of wanted to flex those critical thinking kind of uh moments and I hit a wall and was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And the other love that I'd always had that's been consistent through my life was music. 
And I got an internship at a kind of web 2.0 company that focused on music and culture called platform.net and loved it so much. And they offered me a job and I took it. And that is how I've been in New York for 21 years with some side, some sort of connection to music at all times. That's incredible. I didn't realize that it was, it was an internship. It was an internship. And, you know, um, I had a really great boss. Um, his name was Steve Greco, and he came out of the inter, um, interview magazine days. Um, just one of the most beautiful writers I've ever been around. And you know, when you're in political science, it is all about making your argument, writing clearly. And for me, working with him was a joy, but he kind of transferred those skills I had in politics into writing critically about music and culture. And at the end of the internship, he's like, I'd love you to continue on. He's like, we're looking for a news editor. And he's like, I think you've got the skills. And he's like, I'll work with you. And he's like, I'll train you up. So I had literally with him a two-year boot camp on how to write and write music journalism well. Like I would give him things at the at the beginning of the day. And at the end of the day, it would come back as a red sheet of paper. He would just <laughs> destroy it. But he taught me what good music journalism was. It's like put your like put aside a lot of your personal biases and get into like that structure. Give some history. Use correct grammar. Don't make up stuff. Don't use cliche terms like the things that you kind of see now, like not to hate on like a lot of Internet journalism, but you kind of see that there is just a wild west. You don't know what you're going to get. But. Steve gave me this really great structure that I think really has been in line with almost every way that I've worked, that it's kind of, again, processing and taking the whole and coming out with something really beautiful and something that you're really proud of. It's like you don't half-ass it on the table. And um, he just gave me that lens of music and culture to put it through. Awesome. And so I met you when you were at NPR. Yes. And so what was that like? How does, how does, how does one get to be in NPR <laughs> music? That was a crazy story. You know, I had been freelance for almost eight years. And, you know, freelance in New York City means you're just picking up a lot of random jobs <laughs> yeah, to like, make I'm it work. Here and like, well, here, yeah. Time. And I was really lucky. You know, I had a lot of great clients I'd been working with. I had worked with um, like Spotify and... Um, worked with Adidas and worked with just a lot of like cultural companies, like companies that had a good firm basis in um, kind of working alongside culture. And a friend was at WNYC and he transferred over to NPR Music. And I just kept seeing this post for NPR Music looking for somebody to come in and run their live events and work on their um, digital platform. And every time I saw it, I was like, this is really interesting. And this would get me back into like journalism after being in like, kind of like culture, vulture, culture for a while. And um, I was like, this seems really, really cool. And I was like, but no, they're not looking for somebody like me. I was like, this doesn't seem I'm like it's NPR. I mean, I grew up on NPR. Like, I was a NPR baby. Your parents listened to the front. You're like strapped in the back, back and you're exactly. forced to listen, listen to, to NPR with them. And I was just like, no, they're not looking for somebody like me, even though I love it. I have an academic background. And I mean, yeah, I was like, I don't couldn't do it. And so he finally was like, you need to apply for this job. <laughs> he was like, you'd be surprised. And so 
went through the process and they were like, we're looking for somebody to take us out of the box. It's like, we want to do events differently. We want to connect our content to it. We want to think about how, um, experiential now resonates onto a digital platform. And we're looking for somebody to, to guide us through that. And I just hit it off with everybody that I interviewed there. They were kind of like, yes, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want to do. And it doesn't help um, that, you know, NPR was at a point, I think that they had to think about broadening their world a little bit, that who they thought listened to NPR music wasn't exactly who was being portrayed across the air. It is much more diverse. You'd be surprised and shocked. I mean, do you listen to NPR? Yeah. I mean, I think that it was at a point where they were willing to start investigating and um, looking into anyone who had a new idea and it was fresh about how to get people into public media again. And they were like, let's do it. And I was there for five years. And I have to say that my boss there, um, Anya Grunman, who now is VP of all programming, she really is an innovator in that space that she gave me a lot of trust. And um, everyone I reported to there was a woman. It was a, it makes a huge difference where a woman trusts you opens it opens up the gates gives you the keys to the kingdom and it's like go for it and um it was pretty amazing like um just to be able to cover music work in music all day throw great events um we were the legendary oh uh, thank so you i'll take that i was like <laughs> yes they were <laughs> and Come I mean, we did opening night of south by southwest um we curated a lot of in um of festivals here in New York and in Nashville and in, I mean, just everywhere. And to be able to work with one of the best teams in the business, because everybody that's working in NPR is a pro and they're also dedicated to making sure that everyone has access to amazing content and it's public, it's free and it's well-researched. Um, it was a privilege to work there. And I, I miss a lot of the folks I work with and I still respect them. And I tune in because I want to see what they're doing as well. Of course. But, and now, mm-hmm. and, and now you are, I have to say it is the, it, it's so glorious to see you thriving at Sonos. You just are fen- The events that you throw are phenomenal. How's that been from going from being at NPR to then working at an innovative technology company? That was another one that I was like, is this job really me? Um, (laughs) I actually got a call from a recruiter there and he was like, you know what? Um, I go on NPR music site and the content and the things that I love and the concerts that um, I see that I really love your name is there as the producer. And he's like, I'd love to chat with you to see if you have any interest in this. And I was like, music tech, this is really interesting. Um, I had a friend a few years um, before I got that call that was like, if you don't have the word tech or digital behind music um, in the next few years, she's like, you're going to be left on the curb. She's like, get involved now. And I feel like she was really, really right that it's as we all see with Spotify and with 
Amazon Music and all of these different things. It is just, it's a streaming world. And I mean, it's translating onto TV. And it's just the way that we're consuming culture now. It's via the black mirror. It's, 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 it's insane to me to think about that we used to buy those CDs mm-hmm. with those, that impossible cellophane wrap to I know. get off. And now it's like, oh, I hear Truth Hurts while I'm watching this movie? Here, I just got it. I Thanks. Mean, <laughs> and it's nuts. You know, Sonos realized, and Sonos is an older company than people think. It's like 15 plus years old. Oh. That um, Sonos figured out very early that sound and music is so integral to everyone's life. It's kind of the center of the home. It's the center of your working experience. It's the way that you express emotion. It's the way that sometimes, I mean, looking at how brands now are expressing their vision, their vision, excuse me. um, It's just so integral to how we all operate day to day. And, it's about doing the best that we very can, very ugh, cut. It's about doing the best that we can um, to make it a full part of your life. Um, I love a company like Sonos because it was founded by music fans who were tech nerds, and um, this is a company that is really geared towards a music lover, which I am. I'm a music nerd. I mean, when I got the job, they send you a speaker for your home to like celebrate you joining on to the company and you have to make a playlist for your first day. (laughs) It's your homework. Yeah, it's your homework. It's like come in so people know what your perspective is. And I've really been blessed to work with some of the best people in the business from the tech end, from the product end, from the music end, from the culture end, just all of the people that are working there are really about churning out the best product we can do every day. Um, and the companies really believed in me. Um, they kind of, again, just gave me wide swath to do what I wanted to do. They were like, we're going to let you curate and create great events globally for us. Um, and additionally, I've been primarily curating our Sonos store here in New York City, where we have content weekly. And that's been a great challenge of like, how do we adapt this to music lovers across all genres, all age groups, all races, um, all socioeconomical paths, that we're going to create something that works for you. Or it becomes a new discovery tool for you. It's like, you may not have known about this, but come on down to Sonos and we're going to teach you about it. And then how do we take that content and then make it resonate outside of there? Um, I've been really lucky that um, I started with that and I've grown within the company to take a role on the global team. So now we're looking at that um, globally and it's like, Sonos does very well outside of the U.S. as well, because I think people realize it's like having great sound in your home is super important. It brings you closer to your family. Like you have intimate moments around that. You have emotional moments. And um, so now we're thinking about what does Sonos sound like to everyone else? And what what do people really want to hear when they have those moments? I mean, podcasts have exploded. I mean, here I am right now. Um, and then audiobooks are making a comeback. And 
music is always there. I mean, just the number of genres and the access everybody has. Like, I can turn on my computer to anything and just grab, like, African music. And I can grab Irish music, classical music. And it doesn't matter. I can blend that all together. Everyone should be listening like that now. And that's what we want to put out there, that, you know, Sonos is a product that lets you listen the way you want to listen to and it gives you that freedom and I've gotten that freedom with this company it's it's just been such a fun ride awesome it's I, I you just lit up when you were talking about it because 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 it sounds like you're just your home you you found a really a really a really incredible home you know it's interesting because like as a insane music mm-hmm. lover like you know I, I think about the fact that how music has changed and I use myself as the example that I was a school bus kid mm-hmm. so I all, I have been commuting my almost my entire life mm-hmm. and when I first started it was my Walkman mm. with my mixtapes that I made on my uh, my I don't want to call it a ghetto blaster but kind of a ghetto blaster yeah. where you know you have to like wait to the second so you think it's commercials girl like, let's for like Z100 and Hot 97 mm-hmm. and Kiss FM R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and now it's like it, it's funny like I I started doing this thing on Sundays now where I sort of go for a walk for an hour and just like love that and, and just like walk downtown like just Mm-hmm. And I, I and I try and figure out I just like use it as like my new music discovery hour. Awesome. Uh, and so you know, I'll go on Pandora, which has mm-hmm. been a revelation recently. Yeah. And XM and obviously, you know, I've got um a Spotify. But it's 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 so interesting that like you you'll randomly hear this music and you're like, I would never in a million years think, okay. Vance Joy is yeah. someone I want to listen to. But I'm like, this song is good. It's and like, great. And it's like, okay, now I've liked, I haven't, and like, it's not, it's non-committal because I just like the songs that's now in the playlist. Mm-hmm. And I can go back to it. But like, I, I think that there's something interesting that like we're kind of in this sort of interesting golden age of music discovery. Absolutely. Uh, and how is that, how are you, and you as, and you as someone who's an executive, of course, but also as a music level, how are you seeing the world now? It's interesting. It's like, you know, I I think of it broadly in all sonic culture because music does just, it opens up worlds for me that um, I remember being a teenager. I got a job at Barnes and Noble so I could afford music magazines so I could learn about new music. I can't even imagine how easy it is for kids now that they literally flip open their computer, go to Spotify go to discover weekly and there's just 20 to 30 songs right there that they can just discover new music in two hours for me that that is just such a revolution in music um it music had it sounds cliche but music saved my life i feel like i think that having that closeness with friends sometimes to be able to, that you have that commonality that's like, okay, we all love this band or we love this artist and we went to this concert together was so big for me. And I think that that gave me a stabilizing moment. That's how I met my best friend. It's like, we love the same type of music and we listen together. We would go to concerts and we did that up until like, I moved to New York and she came here to visit me and we'll come to concerts in New York. And it's like, yeah, music is, ba- is the basis for me. And I think that 
I feel so excited to see that it's just breaking down barriers that a kid in Ireland will get a piece of Nigerian culture by turning on a new artist. Um, that I can find out something about, I mean, I've been recently listening to like Sufi mysticism music. Like, have you ever been, I mean, it's just so that to, that it made me research. I heard a beautiful song and a friend was like, Oh, that's, um, out of Sufi mysticism. And I was like, it made me research and I, yeah. And I learned all about a new culture. Music can do that for you. It just opens you up and it makes the world so much broader. And I mean, this job at Sonos lets me go around the world. I mean, presenting events, I'm doing events in London. I'm doing events. I mean, I mean, we do events in Berlin. I mean, it's just everywhere. Australia. It's, Music has given me the opportunity to see the world differently, and it's given me the opportunity to understand and respect cultures that are older than ours and broader than ours and deeper than ours, and just super thankful about that, and that I have a job that allows me to do that, because icing on the cake, (laughs) icing on the cake every day. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like music, it is this beautiful community Mm -hmm. that allows you to be... Be be your true self, because mm-hmm. like I I can equate like every single moment of my life to mm-hmm. a song, but then I can also like it, it also it, all these different cool experiences of just like the randomness of it all. Like you go somewhere and you like randomly mention this song that you heard, and you're like with these like boring techniques. And uh, when I was out, in, <laughs> I, I was in, I was I think I was in. Napa Valley at a dinner and I mentioned some song and then it was like wait what and then that led to a whole other conversation so this and this group of people who didn't know each other all sort of jumping mm-hmm. in the end of having this conversation around around this kind of music and was a phenomenal icebreaker and just think of like every every piece of music has the ability mm-hmm. to do that for people and like bring you together you know, across every sort of demographic you could ever think about. And it's interesting because, like, you know, there's also the dominant rotation of music now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, everything's 99 cents or it's free. And that's the thing. It's like, well, how are artists now... Like, it's, it's almost like artists now have to become business people. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's fascinating to see how folks are adapting mm-hmm. and folks are not adapting. It's amazing. I think people forget... Um, that is hard work. There was a period where you could become very, very wealthy, even if you weren't that great of a band, like just through music. The music industry throws a lot of money at a lot of people to make things happen. Hype bands happen all the time. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's hilarious to me. But I think that a lot of younger musicians coming into this are now realizing that it is a jog, not a sprint. You better pace yourself if you really want to make that lasting impression and actually make this into a business. Like you have to treat yourself like a business now. Um, these, this whole SoundCloud culture of people building an audience through SoundCloud and then kind of getting out there and marketing themselves and letting the word build. I mean, that's Billie Eilish. 
I mean, and look at her I, right I now. I am so confused by Billie Eilish. I, I mean, I love her story and I love kind of like what she represents. It's like she and her brother literally made, literally made bedroom jams. Like, um, a part of her recent tour at um, Radio City, there was a portion where she and her brother were sitting on the bed, like this floating bed that was over the audience. <laughs> oh but she God. was like literally recreating like what she did. And from her now, she's influencing little girls everywhere to be like, I can do this. I can pick up this instrument or I can pick up this laptop or I can pick up this sequencer and do this myself. And I could represent how I want because she's very outspoken of not being sexualized in the music industry. She's changing things for a next generation of girls as well as their parents of thinking of like, oh my God, this 17, probably now 18 year old girl made an album is selling out like huge venues. Number on, one, knocked on off, <laughs> locked on the road. <laughs> Music uh, is just powerful, and just to see the way that kids are taking it and adapting it and making it their own and making it into a business for themselves, a viable business that they know will be a long term career instead of sometimes petering and filtering out like maybe you get two albums and you're done well some of these folks are like i don't care maybe i'll put one album out but then i'm gonna keep doing it on soundcloud if i want or there are some that are just like i'm gonna put it out myself i'm not even ever going to figure fiddle with a label just gonna do it myself it's 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 a lot i mean i they always say people that are working in the industry if you're not on the stage you wanted to be on the stage i never wanted to be on the stage i was like i find the background portion of it so much more interesting just seeing the day-to-day workings the shenanigans because there are shenanigans (laughs) in the music industry um that i mean not to gloss over and make it seem like it's all like fun and roses there's some very challenging things about being in music especially as a woman of color it's tough um there aren't a lot of me in a lot of rooms um I go into some rooms and it's just me and I have to every time give my credentials of why I deserve to be in that room and that's tough and it's like you know I've been doing this for 20 years I kind of don't feel like anyone needs to know why I'm here as an authority and I know this and I have, and I mean, not to sound, not to sound like I'm bragging, but I have kind of encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge about some things. And it's like, I don't feel like I should have to go through that every time, but that's how the industry is. It's like, sometimes you go through that with a new generation, every five or six years, a new wave of people coming in. Also music Industry has not been super sustainable for keeping a lot of women in. A lot of people make it very tough for working moms and kind of women that just have shit going on to stay in life, (laughs) to stay in there, like um, to see people getting up into their 50s and 60s and 70s still in the industry is rare. It's getting more prevalent, but it's still very rare on both the stage end and the backstage end, it's tough. So I I appreciate being uh, 45 in, the, in this industry and still 
having a position of power in it. Um, it's it's a responsibility I take very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's not easy, and I think you know, you know, being a black woman in business mm-hmm. is you know, it's kind of what I said before. It's the tightrope, and but I appreciate the fact that how you were like, listen, no, I'm going to be on. This is who I am, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you will respect. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, and I think that's the thing that you know. I think you know our kind of generation is sort of embracing a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. It's like we're not saying that we have to sort of adhere to these specific rules mm-hmm. to make people feel comfortable. It's much more about like I know every single piece of music that you could ever dream of. Shut up! Yeah, <laughs> it's great to be. Um, and you know, I think we've talked about this in our personal relationship, it's great to be a disruptor. Um, I walk into rooms and, you know, being a black woman that is bigger and I have a big personality and I've got big hair and I've got, from what I've been told from people, somewhat of a Southern accent, even though I don't hear it. (laughs) Um, I walk into a room with a rock concert t-shirt, jeans, and like vans when I'm in today and there are people that are just like who are you what are you doing but then I open my mouth to talk about what I know what I see happening what I want to hear in content what I want to do in events and it clicks but it's all about being yourself and you know it's been very tough to be myself and it's like there are periods where I feel like I didn't advance because I didn't play the game and that's really tough, but I think I made a promise to myself when I left being in politics and I made a commitment that I wanted to work in music. I was like, I'm always going to be myself because I, I took this leap uh, away from what I had always thought I was either going to work in politics or be an academic or something like that. To step away from that for me was huge. It was huge for me. It was huge for my parents. Like for 10 years, my mom was like, you can always go back to school. (laughs) My dad was surprisingly cool with it, but my mom was like, you can always go back. But I made a promise to myself that I would always be myself. I didn't want to change and I wasn't going to adapt because there wasn't a lot. I can't change my skin color. I Like, I can't really change my body type. I can't change the way that I talk. I'm like, I'm an an odd egg, too. It's like, I'm a music weirdo. I nerd out on stuff. So I was like, do you. And I I, I feel like I've kind of gotten into that stride. And every day, I embrace just being me. Walking into a room and being different. Love it. Love to shake it up. And I love to be me. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and I think that's what is is so inspiring. I think for a lot of folks because we've got to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you know, I think that gone are the days of like the perfect hair and yeah. the makeup to make people feel comfortable. Ugh. It's like no, I think like, I was saying before. I was like, no, it's like at, the more successful I've got, the more casual I dress. Yeah, which, well, upset my mother, but. But I, I think it's like you know. But I'm a we're an authority about these sorts of mm-hmm. things, and I think if you and it's not to discount the people who do it. That that's yeah. you. But for me, I think similar for you. It's like you know, I've worked really hard to be where I am in these yep. rooms, and like I shouldn't have to sort of now put myself back into a box mm-hmm. just to make everyone feel comfortable. Because like that, that's not the business that we're in. Yeah, and I think that. Um, 
times are really changing on that. And I love the idea of kind of making people adapt to us now. It's that time. It's like, you know, black women and women of color in business have been behind the scenes running this stuff. And, you know, a few of us have been allowed to kick the door in and now we're kicking the door in. We're holding it for everybody. And we're like, come on, y'all, come on, come on. Um, I think it's super important to take those moments. Like if I see for, for years, I would go into a room where I'd go to events. Cause also, you know, I work, I've worked primarily along a lot of rock, indie, dance, a lot of those industries where you don't see a lot of faces of mine. So there'll be those moments where I'm in a room and like whatever, and I'll look across the room and I'll see another face, a little brown face, and you do the wave and like, what now I go to things and it's like more, it's younger kids, it's queer kids, it's, I mean, it's just beautiful to go into these situations that weren't imaginable 15 years ago and where I felt very alone and like just had to kind of bolster my own security and knowing that I know as much as everybody else in that room. And um, to now see that other people have the same opportunity and that for them, it's something they don't even think about. Or if they do get confronted with it, they're like, screw that, bump that. I'm still going to make this happen. Love it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really great it's it, it's a really great time to sort of see that. It's funny this morning I was reading an article of, <laughs> about Pink mm. when everyone thought for like the first album that thought she was black mm-hmm. and how <laughs> and and how music was so packaged then because basically they needed another Britney Spears mm-hmm. um, and the face needed that and so that's why they made Pink do that. Um, and how it was, and it was like, it was, it wasn't, it was like obviously before social media and obviously before cancel mm-hmm. culture and what would have happened if like you say, like you compare her to like Ariana Grande. I mean, but I also think that like, it's also the, it's a side of what, how music has so changed that like, if you compare Pink being so locked in a box about who she actually was for that first album, because they had to kind of get her out. Mm-hmm. To like having a Billy Eilish, yeah. it's like nope. It's like bedroom jams, and it's like so that's eighteen years. Yeah, like especially the life of Billy Eilish, and how and how music has changed so much. Or if you look at you know Billy Eilish, Megan Thee Stallion, and Lil Nas X. Yeah, which you know I love Lil Nas X and Megan Thee Stallion so much because deep down inside I want to be a hot girl for summer. All of us, <laughs> all of us tried to get together. I mean, <laughs> like, I, when she said it was like that, when she said it was a hot nerd girl fall, I was like, oh my God. Thank yay. you for extending. I'll get it together. I'll do it now. I'll get it together. But like, I feel like that, that, you know, how we went from being like the package boy band mm-hmm. and pop singers to, you know, Literally being whoever you want. Like Lil Nas X is like, oh, so yeah, by the way, I'm gay. That's uh, <laughs> not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, look at Frank Ocean and Tyler the Creator, who was just here last night in uh, New York. These folks have now determined that their course of in the music industry is not going to be deterred by who they are. And they've also been able to successfully wrap that into their brand, and that's in quotations. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Little Nas X is one of those cases where I feel everything was done correctly and everything was, it's just right 
because it's just the pure love of music. You can see that the stuff that he's putting out, he's having the time of his he life making so it. He's so on it. He's <laughs> so on it, and it sounds good. And like you feel it in the music that this is a guy that's coming into the industry and is loving what he's doing. He's working with great teams. And there's just a pureness behind it that it's just so, it's infectious. You want him to win. Like, oh my gosh, yes. I was just like, I heard Old Town Road, and as a person who grew up with a country loving father, it clicked for me immediately. I was just like, yeah, black people love country music too and have been making it to Lizzie. Charlie Pride. People well, want to try and forget about Charlie Pride. Go ahead and try. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, we could really break down like the history of uh, of country music and where it, it comes from came and from? stems from. Yeah, I mean, traditional country music was from rural instruments that literally black and white people owned, but black people innovated a lot of the the instrumentation the way that it goes out. I mean, it's gone into everything. I mean, country music lines into jazz. I mean, you can just set it all up. For people to really, the industry to try and strike him down like that was pretty ugly. And I'm really glad that a lot of people did not let that fly. And they were just like, no, they were going to let this black boy joy come on through. We're going to enjoy country music because we've always done it. We're going to add a little twist to it. And this kid is going to succeed. I wish him the best of luck. And it's nice to see that he is not going to end up in that one hit wonder. Well, that I think he's built again, another brand for himself that he could just constantly expand. He could do this outside of the industry. If he ever decided he just didn't want to. Be fine. Be it's fine. funny. Like I ended up meeting with um, some people from Sony who mm-hmm. worked with him and like got him a deal at Wrangler. And the woman who was behind it, she was so badass about it. She's like, "I am not gonna let this kid fall." And I was. It was so lovely to mm-hmm. hear. It's like you got you a music executive who's very high up at this at this mm-hmm. huge record label, and this one one young man. And she's like, Mm-mm, "Nope, not on my watch." Yeah, like she was literally literally the yell not on my watch. <laughs> I love it because um, she's like, "We we will not let this happen." Mm-hmm. And I think that is also again a testament to how much this has changed. Yeah, like, think about how if there was a hint of controversy with an artist. Back in 2000, mm-hmm. 2001, how a record label like, okay, bye bye. The next person, factory. Like, the we'll next. just, you know, we'll just go back to the factory, make another one yeah. kind of like you, and shove you out there. Absolutely. Um, and so it's it's refreshing to see that, like, how music, again, the industry has just changed and adapted with the culture. Like, it has to. I mean, another one that you just brought up, Meg the Stallion, I mean, is unbelievable that. You know, she came in on the tail end and has bolstered this idea of women owning their own sexuality and the way that they want to relate to the world, the way they want to dress the world, right behind Cardi B. And, you know, these ladies are doing it and they're refusing to go into this. There can only be one at a time and we're not going to fight each other. They're like, we all bring something to the table. Like, you know, Cardi has her own lane. And Cardi has used her lane to open up tons of opportunities for herself. And I think that Meg has been very smart about this and is doing the same thing. Also, people underestimate Meg because she's also 
in school. She's doing this all while getting her degree. <laughs> she's in school. While, while wearing assless chaps. Absolutely. While twerking and having knees better than I will ever and have in my life. my life. <laughs> he reincarnated me five times, but yeah. I still wouldn't come back with these like that. And these ladies are also taking the opportunity whenever they speak or whenever they kind of put their input into the, the industry that they're bringing, again, kicking down the door, bringing the other female rappers. They may not be women that rap about their, only their sexuality or whatever. It may be a woman that is making really weird, quirky rap like Tiana or Tierra Wack that they're also mentioning them. Like, I want to work with her. They're bringing up a Lizzo. They're like coming alongside the young M.A., it's like everyone's given these ladies now in the industry have realized there doesn't have to be just one of us at a time. All of us can exist in this space. We can all be making our own versions, versions of art. We can all be making that cash and we can all support each other. We don't have to cat fight. Why do we need to do this? Well, that's a really awesome point because I think that it's also the fact that that there's so that we're show, finally showing that there's so many different mm-hmm. sides of us. Yeah. And it's not, and there isn't just, the one woman, the one brown woman who can do this. They can do all these different things. And it's interesting that um, each of those women are also crossing over into other parts of entertainment. Absolutely. So, like, Truth Hurts was in the movie on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm blanking a name. But it was, that's where the song was in, this summer. Yeah, for Lizzo, she yeah. really kind of, like, knocked that out of the, the park. park. Um, the theme song for Black Lady Sketch Show is Megan. I love it. <laughs> like, it's like Hustlers is getting Oscar buzz for J Lo. Who is in that? Cardi and Lizzo. I know. And it's like you know, I. It is almost as if it's a great golden age mm-hmm. of seeing that it's you can't think. Oh wait, you just do music, or you just do you just do you just do movies and film or TV. It's like no, it's entertainment yeah and everything starts with the music absolutely uh, and, and i think that's really a beautiful thing to be seeing that's happening right now right now i mean yeah this cultural renaissance is really interesting for black people as a whole in media um more black writers that cover culture music entertainment are getting deals at places like netflix and hulu getting large book deals and backing it up there, this idea of examining culture as a whole and hearing it from our perspective instead of it being translated or trickled down from other people is the best thing ever. Like, <laughs> right. like hear it directly from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Let's do that. Listen. Everybody is hustling for their bag right now. Everyone is literally trying to find their place in the culture while opening it up for more friends and more voices and more perspectives and it doesn't matter what you do it's like all of it resonates so broadly that it's amazing for me to see it must be pretty amazing to be a young person absorbing all this that you just feel like this is normal for me to see that I mean you brought up a black lady sketch show I mean that is unbelievable right now to hear that the read is getting a show on Fuse that's coming up soon. I mean, you took my next question, girl. Ah, <laughs> getting into it. I mean, and then like somebody like Deezus and Marrow could be even considered that they're doing better in the ratings than some of these other late night talk shows, and they're talking 
very honestly about things that affect like popular culture that we control. So <laughs> it's just kind of nuts to see that music and culture just literally we own it right now. It's it's a it is this insane golden age. But I was thinking like again it it's this weird cycle like. We get two dope queens, mm-hmm. we get Jesus and Mara, yep. and we have the Reed coming. Those podcasts could not be more different. I know. They are all going on mainstream cable. Mm-hmm. Like, in HBO, Showtime, Fuse. I mean, the popularity of the Reed. I mean, oh my God. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Every Friday, it makes me so happy. I swear. It's so great. I mean, to hear perspectives... Um, of our own culture unabashedly broken down without having to worry about offending somebody. I mean, talking about stuff that maybe mainstream culture doesn't even understand, but we, with quotations, understand what we're talking about. I mean, it's, I mean, just even that concept, you know, I had to explain what black Twitter was to somebody. I'm not surprised. And <laughs> it's I mean, a place. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like actually mentioned in the meeting, I was like, yeah, da, 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 you know, you just need to make sure that we just like talk about this correctly and we get into black Twitter. And somebody was like, what is black Twitter? And I was like, let me explain to you basically the undercurrent, everything that you experience on Twitter was already discussed and dissected probably three months ago on Black Twitter. Black Twitter is the leading cultural hub that drives the internet and how it translates out into probably mainstream culture. It's just insane. Physical culture, the day, the things you see on the street, the billboards, the personalities that are selected, the writers that you're reading. I mean, it's it's become a phenomenon that isn't a phenomenon anymore. It's just everyday life. It's just life. But we all know where that came from. It's like when I see campaigns and I see ads and whatever, I'm like, oh, you're about five months behind that because, oh, yeah, Black Twitter talked about that a long time ago. I mean, the people are still writing articles about the influence of the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. is crazy to me. I'm like, that's been out of store for so long. I'm like... Black people ate that sandwich already. We broke it down. We reviewed it, and you're only talking about it now. Just it, you just not pay. It's just not paying attention, and it's just like you you do have to be aware of culture. Really, like just be aware of where the culture is. Yeah, and who's driving all of this. It's like get, pick an industry, and I will tell you how much uh, is coming out of black culture. Yeah, okay. I mean, sneakers. Well. Yeah, sneakers. I mean, look, I mean, Virgil Abloh is a whole nother level of coming out of kind of a streetwear culture, but is now influencing so much of the mainstream fashion industry that and also just that idea of him and other people working in the business. I mean, as much as it hates me to drag his name through my mouth, I mean, for what Kanye did. And, like, <laughs> and you know I mean? I could also pull in people like public school and, I mean, Rihanna. I mean, Rihanna's I mean, changed Rihanna, Rihanna has everything. everything. Which, is, which is so glorious to right. see. Yeah. That it, it's funny that, like, they're pro- it, it, it had to have been Rihanna to do it. Yeah. It's like, because, but then people are like shocked that she's actually involved. And I'm like, okay, so let me explain something to you. 
in 2006, at my very first fresh out of college advertising mm-hmm. job, the first person I was doing a campaign for was Recover Girl. Mm-hmm. This new girl who was 15 years old who had this song called Pond the Replay. And Cover Girl had already hired her to be on their makeup campaigns. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm like, that's Rihanna Girl. She's going to be something. I'm like, she's from the Caribbean. She's going to own this thing. I said that in 2006. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like, listen, I, I will grab every piece of culture along the way out of every brand to love me. And then, by the way, I actually love it. People learned, and I mean, I think that black women learned very quickly from the school of Oprah that you have to control and own every aspect of your image and your brand because if you leave it in the hands of somebody, you know they're going to mess it up. <laughs> but if you think about it, you have Oprah, you have Shonda Rhimes, um, Beyonce. Okay. I mean, there's just so many women. Ava DuVernay. Oh, yeah. Um, tr- now Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, I, I think, I mean, oh, Tracy came from the, even the school before Oprah, Diana Ross. Oh, look, watch your mother. I mean, uh-huh. I think that her mother is a really good representative of that. She let somebody control her image for so long and that she got boxed into this is who was she? she was a supreme, but then Diana took over her own image and was like, no, 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 I'm so much more than that. And I think that people like Oprah probably did learn from her, Diane Carroll, some of those folks that literally may not have had the opportunity to own their image fully and own their own brand to see women like Beyonce that constantly, and I will say that. Um, at the beginning of her career, I was one of those people that was like, she can't be doing everything like this. But to learn that she controls every aspect of her projects to a minute degree and that it filters through her visions, she's coming up with this, that she's behind the scenes editing stuff and she's drawing things out and sending these docs and pictures to people overnight and you translate my vision correctly and I want to see it back. I mean... That's the greatest thing that you can see as a woman, a young woman, a black person, as a business person across all lines. I mean, and then other ones like Brianna have taken it and adapted. I mean, Brianna's the richest woman in music now. $600 million a year. Like, it's insane. That she just cycles through. And it's like, and it's funny because like, it's like, it's not from her music. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like, I, I mean, her, it's crazy. And I saw on a red carpet thing where, like, people like drag her because there's not been an album yet. But here's the other thing whenever this album does come out, people will lose their minds. Because she's like, oh, I've made you go away. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the Rihanna way. And it's yeah. like, she cracks about it. She's like, she knows she's like building that froth of anticipation. But. The cool thing is that, you know, the product that she's doing in her off-season, if you want to call it that, everything is top-notch. And it still links back to the culture. It links back to her Caribbean roots. It links back to her music roots. It links back to her own personal interests. She's a phenomenon. I think that she is not a bad model to look at. I'd be interested. I mean, we've brought her up multiple times to see would Billie Eilish do something like that? Is it interesting to her? I mean, she's a teenager. She's a kid. She should be able to enjoy her time now. But I'd be interested 
interested to see what she wants to do moving on. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like there we have seen far more black women mm-hmm. become sort of the empire, the empire owners mm-hmm. differently than white women. I think if you if you sort of say what's the equivalent, of, what's a white female equivalent of a Rihanna, someone would say Taylor Swift. You're like, no. Not really. I mean, they're really... I mean, is it Madonna? So she would sort of be... Because she's got I, that beauty line. I mean, she has the clothes kind but she's of. But she's a different kind of icon. Absolutely. A different kind of, t- a different time. Different time. A different time. I mean, now, who is doing that? I mean, I, I, I mean, to see that there are that many black women that cross uh, mm-hmm. multiple industries that sort of cross over on both sides, I don't think there is an equivalent. I, yeah. and, and I think it's just, and I think it's what you were saying, goes back to what you were saying before. Like it is the reason why we're seeing it now is that now it's our, it's our time. Mm-hmm. And I think the unapologetic, I think, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Watch how well this is done. Because everything in that, it's so remarkably well done. I mean, you can take A Wrinkle in Time, um, When They See Us, and Queen Sugar, and go, no, that's all Ava DuVernay. Like, you would get one. 10 years ago. Absolutely. But like you get three uniquely high quality, unbelievably active, well nominated, mm-hmm. highly rated cross cro- cultural crossovers. Yeah. Um, from one black woman and hiring all those women of color to be That's directors. That's what I was about to say. And bringing all those writers along and pushing them forward. Having her own studio, having her own incubator almost as well. I mean, it's unbelievable the channels that she's open for people. At what, ironically, one of my first interns at my first job directed an episode of Queen Sugar this year. Wow. Yeah, Chaiko Omoale. Shout out Chaiko. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's unbelievable the doors that we are willing to open for each other as working women, business women, executives. I think that that is something that I've had to learn. You know, um, a lot of the women in my life, like around my family, were either laborers, like my grandmother was a domestic. She cleaned hotel rooms and um, she, you know what? All of my dad's brothers and sisters were taken care of by that, which is amazing to me. That work ethic sticks with me um, greatly. And then also I grew up around a lot of people that were educators, like my mom and my aunt were teachers and that work ethic stuck with me and that desire to learn. I mean, that's why I always thought I was going to be an academic or work in politics or something to share that influence. But, you know, I didn't have that around me. And I think I had to kind of, again, being the only one in the room, I had to teach that to myself. I really, one of the regrets I think that I do have in my working career is that I didn't take advantage of more mentorship. I feel like um, if I could, I, yeah, I would step back and definitely reevaluate and look at some of that and take some experience from some other women. That is why I always offer myself up. If I see somebody is in that space or they're coming around to one of our events or somebody ever hits me up with an interest about learning about what I do, I always respond because I try to think back about me and what I would have wanted if I was in that same position. Just that you never know if that moment of 
something that's so small to me could mean so much to somebody else about their career progression and their past. So, um, yeah, that that's interesting to me. I think that that idea of kind of empire building together is really important. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I do this, I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And because I think it's also like you intern up and you intern down. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, there's plenty of stuff. I have zero idea what, what is going on. So I'm like, oh, you, you're telling me and you're asking me? Like, I have this for you. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, if you create this awesome community of people that's going up, it's, it's not just, not just like, you know, vertical conversation. It's a circle. And, you, and it's cyclical. And you find really cool people along your travels. And you're right. You never know how much you're impacting someone by just listening mm-hmm. for a little bit. And where that and where that can take you. Um, so before I forget, um, I, my my favorite question now is, what do you do to escape? What's your? I need to get away. It's like I need my little self care. Uh, what is what is your way of getting away? Um, it's multi pronged. I think you know hikes in the woods, long walks on the beach. I <laughs> wish. Um, you know, I recently rediscovered travel. Um, this is going to sound crazy, but it is true. Um, I took my first vacation in four years this year. And I mean, I mean, it's, I've told other people, they're just like, how did you not collapse in? And, and <laughs> like, be a black woman for a day. That's yeah, <laughs> basically. It's like, you want to keep a job and keep moving? Like, that's what you do. Um, that really re-energized me that idea of like escaping and really turning off everything and putting myself into new situations uncomfortable situations going out of my comfort zone travel was great I'm planning on doing much more of that soon because I was like oh this was pretty awesome (laughs) um I do a lot of beauty related self-care I have no shame about um, spending money on great products that make me feel good about myself. I am not to be trusted in a, in Sephora. a Sephora with a credit card. Like, no restraint. What do I say? What? Yeah, they're just like, literally, like, Bank of America's like, ma'am. <laughs> um, I do... Um, reading has always been a great escape of mine. Again, not to be trusted in a bookstore with a credit card. I have a pen. There seems to be a thread here. Yeah, that's... Um, uh, yeah, I have a pen of that. Like, I've always just devoured books. Like, um, that was one of the things I shared with my dad. My dad was an avid reader, and he really passed that. And um, both he and my mom passed along the love of music. Um, I listen to a lot of music on my own. I love music discovery. Um, I'll do it from every level of like walking through the the racks at um, vinyl record stores, all the way up to just spending a day and goofing off on Spotify and discovering new stuff. But um, I love music discovery. Um, I will make playlists for myself to just have something fun to do. And you know, um, I really do try and spend a lot of time with friends, um, even doing minute stuff like grabbing a drink drink with a girlfriend or going to a movie or sometimes going out very rarely these days going out and like having a little dance or something but um I think it's important to try and stay social um I grew up as an only child so I stay very introspective sometimes and sometimes I will just 
board myself up into my apartment. So I sometimes do have to force myself out to be a social. Maybe that's also a Leo thing too, that sometimes we go through mega social moments and then I don't want to see anybody. Um, So yeah, I think that, you know, friends are very important to me being an only child. Like they are my family as well. Um, And also having my family be so far away, my family's back in the Midwest. So um, it's important for me to be social, but uh, I just try to decompress as often as I can. And as I get older, I'm seeing that is more and more important. You have to take care of your mental health as well as your physical health. And like, um, just getting offline for me is important. Awesome. I'll tell you, it's been a delight. Oh. This is probably the longest episode I've ever done. I oh, no. I could keep talking. Are you kidding me? This is a good thing. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Um, we're going to throw in the links to all your socials so people can follow you and check out the cool stuff that Sonos is doing and the events that you curate, which are phenomenal. And if you're in New York or London, Berlin, wherever they are next, um, check them out because you are the goddess of this sort of stuff. And more to come, too. So just keep an eye out. More fun stuff from Sonos soon. Oh, cool. I can't wait to hear. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs>